0: This is The Coolest Show, brought to you by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. It's
1: the coolest show, you know, keep the culture connected. It's the coolest show, you know, your ear, yeah, yeah, yeah respect it. Expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, what got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules, everything around me, Dream For those who lost smoke, just close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye, now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show, you know, The Hip Hop Caucus.
0: I'm I'm excited for this because, you know, one thing about our conversation here on the coolest show, we try to make sure we have climate and culture and both. And so today we have that. Uh we have someone who is regarded as the hardest working man in the business, Haircrack. And haircrack has had, man, I can't tell you, so many successes along the way. It's it's just not enough for him to have One Hustle, which is his, his radio show, but Headcracker is an American, multi-talented, and multimedia personality who has been a familiar voice, as well as the face of the top U.S. networks for over two decades. He is recognized as a hip-hop authority who stays up to date on all the latest in music, movies, artists, and entertainment. Bronx-born. And hip hop raised, Headcrack began his media career in Dallas, having a number one rated night, nighttime slot at 97.9 to beat. He gained national recognition from being a local radio personality to becoming a recognized public personality across this nation. And so I am super excited to have Haircrack as his reach extends beyond the airwaves of broadcast, into journalism as a television host. He has a, a, a comprehensive background as an actor, a hip hop lyricist, a comedian, writer, television host, podcaster, mentor, and producer, and now guest of the number one environmental justice podcast in the country, The Coolest Show. Headcrack, my brother, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, ref. Thank you so much for having me. Like, it's crazy, like, when you. Read all those things off. I'm like, who did all that? Oh, <laughs> no, you know, it's... makes me feel like I'm 100 years old. But man, like, I mean, when you're working at the speed of light, sometimes you don't realize all the things you're putting together in the process, yeah. right?
0: No, that's how that's how it goes. So we're gonna get to some real serious stuff. We're gonna get to the environment, the climate. We're gonna get to our community. We're gonna get to how culture impacts all that. But you know, you are from the Bronx, the boogie down. Yes, sir. Right. So I'm starting this off with something that's that's going to hopefully it's not controversial at all, but this is okay. my first question to you. You got to go to war. You got you can only take the folks from the Bronx with you. That's it. You can't take right. nobody else. Well,
1: I, I definitely got to take KRS-One. Okay, that's a good. You know, I'm so saying yeah. that is, that is the Blast master. Yeah, that's a okay. Good um. Also, got to bring. Slick Rick. I know a lot of people give him credit for being from, like, you know, the UK, but uh, Slick Rick's a Bronx guy, okay? Um, He has those catalog records that people can sing word for word, Top to Bottom, Children's Story, um, Lottie Dottie, The Show, Teenage (laughs) Love, it goes on and on. Also, we keep it at Bronx for a little bit. I also gotta bring uh, Greg Nice from Nice and Smooth. Or if I can cheat and merge them into one person and twist them together and say Nice and Smooth is one. Because Greg Nice is a consummate party rocker. And then when he got his man Smooth B, you got vocals as well as the party rock aspect to it, right? So, uh, also, you got to represent for the females. So, yes, let's bring out Cardi B, okay? Cardi B got to be there. And last but not least... Um, you know, some diversity because, uh, you know, we ain't the only ones that built this culture. Got to bring out, uh, you know, the Burikwa himself, the one and only Fat Joseph. Yeah. Because uh, he is also has an extensive catalog that I feel like is stand up against just about anybody. So I think I like my odds with this squad right here. That's a Final Four squad. If we got a, can, can I pull a Bronx host? Can Tracy Morgan I like that. host the I li- battle? I like
0: you bringing a home field advantage
1: in that. I like that a lot. <laughs> 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 and he's going to keep the crowd laughing and entertained too. So that's also a plus side as well. Oh, man. Well, there you go, folks. You got
0: Haircracks 5 from the Bronx. You heard it right here. So lock it in in that process. Haircrack for artists. Of our climate-minded folk,
1: tell us who
0: is Headcrack.
1: Headcrack is a renaissance man. I mean, I do a little bit of everything. I was asking you having this conversation with my manager the other day, and she was asking me, like, you know, like, yo, like, when you when we put out this next project, how do you want to classify it? Do you want to classify it as hip hop? And for this next project, yes, it is still a hip hop project. But I think sometimes, or even not even sometimes, but more so than ever, you're seeing a lot of people be like non-genre artists, mm. right? You know, whereas like they rap, but they also can fall back into a bag in a little bit and sing, you know, like like A-Boogie with the hoodie, uh, Drake, um, even people like Childish Gambino, who a lot of people got familiar with from the mixtape era. And now you have to really work hard to get him to rap, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because he does the singing thing so much. So on the music side of things, I'm an artist. On the media side of things, I am hopefully in the eyes of the public, that hip-hop face and voice that you recognize in the mainstream. Because a lot of people that champion the culture the way I do don't necessarily get the opportunities to get a platform like I have mm. and really represent and wave the flag for the culture. You know what I'm saying? Because like I don't 100% rock with everything that's commercially hot because yeah. I, I think some of it is kind of uh, negative. Yeah overall to the culture. So I try to put people on to new things that can not only raise their consciousness, but talented people who deserve that shot. And even on the Dish Nation side of things, you know, before the year 2000, give or take my man from TMZ with the dreads. Who else did you see on TV five days a week that looked like me representing for the culture? So I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hip hop's guy, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I speak from the heart. You can't buy my opinion. Uh, my opinion will always be my own. And at the end of the day, I, I, I do it for the culture.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, I appreciate that so much. As you know, for me being in this for now over 20 years, um, doing the hip hop political side of this, of this process, um, it is so important for those in media to do it for the culture and to understand how important they are um, in their platform. And so I just want to thank you for this trying. And I don't know thank it's not you. easy because I've been around long enough to know that's not as easy as it sounds, folks. And so
1: right.
0: I want to thank you. Who who was your community? Like growing up or yeah, like currently? Like, 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 like who you rock with? Like I know within the culture and media, I know within maybe the business, but who do you think you are responsible to? Like when you got to, like when I do things in this work from hip hop politics, I'm fighting for black people indigenous people I'm fighting for community communities in urban communities I'm fighting for those who are oppressed like that's what I see when I'm doing what I gotta do so who was your community in that aspect
1: for me, I feel like I'm fighting for the voiceless mm. the people who feel like their opinions aren't heard uh I feel like I'm fighting for abstract out the box thinkers who doesn't necessarily need a um a, a trend thrown upon them because like, I know a lot of times people will do stupid things cause it's trendy and it's cool to admit that some trends are stupid. So like people who can like take the red pill instead of the blue pill and understand that like, even though this is what everybody's doing, this isn't the way we need to be rocking. Those are the people that I'm trying to reach. Cause not everybody's always going to get it, especially when you're like, you know, you're running uphill mm. with, with a concept that doesn't seem as fun as everything else. You know what I mean? So, you know, if you're willing to listen and you're willing to have an open mind and and zag instead of zig, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the people who says their favorite color is camouflage. Mm. I'm talking to the people who, uh, you know, like, you know, if you could have three wishes, what would you wish for? Those people that would say 10,000 more wishes. You know what I mean? Not the one plus one is always two people, even though that is the answer. But the people who can, fi- you know, who are willing to find a new way. And, uh, and and still a new way of thinking. It's not a black thing or a white thing with me because I feel like the real war is between classes and they use other things as distractions to throw people off. Because at the end of the day, we're all fighting the same fight and we're all trying to get a roof over the top of our head, maintained for the longest, and, you know, and uh, food on our table consistently seven days a week. So if you're with that struggle, then you're with me. Nah, and I'm fighting for you. That's amazing. Speak about
0: the birthplace of hip-hop, the Bronx. And for those who don't know what I just said and and understand it, explain to them what is the birthplace of um, hip-hop for our listeners.
1: I right, so, you know, hip-hop is often regarded as the birthplace of hip-hop. Uh, started at a party on Sedgwick and Cedar, you know, when DJ Cool Herc threw a jam in, the, in the basement of this project building in the Bronx, right? But, I mean, but if, when you really do the knowledge, man, and go deeper back, man, it was MCs way before even... There was like you know like park jams in in New York and whatnot like because like Cab Calloway with his call and response things that he was doing and uh, even um there's a guy named uh, Pig Meat Markham who was like a comedian from back in the days you could pull this stuff up on YouTube I'm talking about from like the 40s the 30s and the 50s this dude is doing classically what is considered rap and I think sometimes that's where the lines get blurred right they may say that hip hop started in the Bronx I think that's when Hip-hop got organized, Mm -hmm. right? But the elements have always been there. Like, even when you look at ancient Egypt and you look at the pyramids and the hieroglyphics that they was, like, writing on the wall, that was them making a mark and telling a story. But in the way that they were doing it back then. So when you look at the way graffiti was coming up in the 80s and 90s as well, they were doing the same thing as the Egyptians were doing. But, you know, this is a more modern style of it. But, you know, cats didn't know what to call it there's always been dancing. I look at old videos of people dancing like in black and white videos and stuff like that. Some of it is somewhat reminiscent of breakdancing, not as complex as like the windmill and whatnot. But like it's all these elements have always been there. But I think it took to like the late 70s for it to finally bind all these things together and really truly call it hip hop culture. Mm. Because a lot of times people will like explain hip hop as just the dynamic of rapping, but there's the DJ portion, there's the graffiti portion, there's the dance portion. You want to go uh, even further. You could say beatboxing, you could say fashion, all those things. So I think it took, I th- I think it took the, the Bronx in the eighties to really bind it together, call it a thing. And that's how we started rolling. And me being young when all this stuff was happening. And when I say young, like, you know, like I was born at the end of the seventies, right? So I'm still living in the Bronx at this time, and this is when you still had to make appointments to be a part of hip-hop culture because radio wasn't playing hip-hop. Wow. Not like that. You'd have to stay up to like a million o'clock at night to hear a DJ play a record, or you'd have to wait for that rap break on an R&B song, like, you know, when Shaka Khan, I Feel For You. Like, I used to live for the Melly Mel part on I Feel For You. <laughs> or when uh, New Edition would cool it now, like the part, I got a girl. Who cares what you like, you know? It wasn't as readily available. Now you turn your TV on, hip hop is and rappers and commercials and rap is everywhere. But back in the early 80s, it wasn't really like that. So it was interesting to see it grow. Cause like, it was a lot like the movies, you see people mm. break dancing outside in the corner, you know? And, uh, when you go like to the mid to late eighties, early nineties, you know, you go to hip hop clubs, cats be outside rhyming in cyphers. And, you know, after the party's over, cats be, you know, doing an open mic thing, but it took a while for it to get there. So to watch it grow from like the secret thing that we would do, like how cats was doing alcohol in the prohibition era to now it being readily available. And I feel like that's why people treat it like it's so disposable. It, it, it's it's amazing how far it's come is that good or bad though I mean and, and it's good because it has created
0: a lot of wealth opportunity we got mm-hmm. that part but is it good or bad because hip-hop in the beginning was also uh they would say you know it was the CNN for us it was opportunity for us to 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 use that and it was it was primarily black in some cases um so now where, where are we now I mean nothing wrong with how it's grown, but
1: is it good or bad that it has become so commercialized? I think it's good because it's created so many jobs and opportunities for so many people. You know what I mean? There's so many people who eat off the culture. Unfortunately, the people that get the larger plates don't necessarily always look like us. Mm. And that is something that I sometimes have a problem with when I see people who are considered gatekeepers Mm. who are more so occupying a space in place of like, yeah, pay me for this interview and uh, you know, we'll help you out. You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, you're kind of a guest in the culture and you're eating off the culture. And if it wasn't for the culture, you wouldn't be here. So, you know, like those certain things I kind of have a problem with. But um overall, I, I, I think it I think if you talk to multiple people about their um the exposure to hip hop and the type of good or bad hip hop, I think you'll get different answers because you, I'll talk to somebody who knows who NBA YoungBoy is, but have no idea who Feral Monch is. Mm-hmm. And then I can talk to somebody who knows who Feral Monch is, a female in her mid twenties, early twenties, who has no idea who the baby is. So- People are finding what they like and what they're into, but, you know, you almost got to find your tribe, you know? And and the crazy thing is, it's truly always been that way. You know, sometimes people would be like, man, hip hop was so much better in the 90s. Like, no, it was trash in the 90s. We had to dig through a lot of horrible records to find the things that we were into, but it was like curated differently than it is now. Uh, Because, like, even me who works on the radio, like, I literally would rather stare into the sun for 45 minutes than listen to a lot of the stuff that's played. (laughs) But I know that there's options. There's other things we can listen to. You know what I mean? But, you know, like, I just turn it into white noise in my head, and then I just rock out. So somebody somewhere is eating. But the problem is, I think, with the too much ease of access that that hip-hop is right now, nothing special. Hmm. Because, like, it's all, and and that that goes in the music space and that goes in the movie space, too. Like, how many Netflix movies that you just watched in the comfort of your crib that were Netflix originals do you truly remember? Hmm. Versus you taking the time to go to the movie theater, make that appointment and go watch a movie. Or go to the Blockbuster, go get the DVD and physically hold it in your hand. And I feel like that same thing goes with music. It was something about grabbing a disc and hold it in your hand yeah. and open it up and see who the people thanked and all that other things because you made an appointment to do that. Crazy thing, it's not even a game. It's like pit, it's, it's not even a movie, it's pitfall, pitfall for PlayStation. But you know, you get the drift. You know, it, It's something about touching things that yeah. I think made it more special. So I think the fact that everything is in the cloud, I think that's a bad thing. Because the second someone doesn't agree with something that someone said on a record, that song goes away, that album goes away. There's albums I used to listen to on iTunes and Spotify that I went back to go listen to, I was like, yo, where where, where? It's not there anymore. What the hell? You know, but if you had the physical copy. You got it. You know, you good gu-
0: you Gucci. You know, let me let me speak a little bit more about the Bronx. I wanna bring you back home. When you uh, how okay. long were you? Were you? I'm assuming you were born. How, how long do? How long did you live in the Bronx before you kind of went off to your professional life?
1: I mean, off and on, like you know, because my my father. Well, my mother and my father separated. My father and my uh, and two of my well, actually three of my sisters maintained their residency in New York, and so I would go back and forth most of my life from Texas to New York. I'd be in New York one year, Texas another year, Texas two years, New York another year. So. Like I would say I spent like pretty much a third of my life in New York, third of my life in Texas, and my third act is playing out right now in Atlanta. So I was in and out the whole time. So I got to see the 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 uptick in the crack epidemic, the downtick in the crack epidemic and the way crime reshuffled and it it was interesting to see the transition. So like, you know, even when I wasn't there full time, like I got a chance to, you know, stick my toe back in the water and see the changes, you know, and it's crazy. When I go back to New York now, it's unrecognizable mm. because so much has changed and everybody's getting priced out.
0: Yeah, so th- that, that leads to my my question because I just wanted, you, and so you actually were in three, Atlanta, Dallas, and in the Bronx. But to the Bronx, one thing I've said on, on this show has been that part of the birthplace of hip-hop is also part of the birth Aspects to the climate movement. Um, So when the Bronx causeway is built by Robert Moses um, and it literally divides the Bronx and it causes redlining and literally creates, you mentioned before, from the crack epidemic and just horrific poverty. And to be honest, it's it literally is a way of uh, white flight and folks literally passing over the community in that aspect. Um, the pollution, the poverty is created by the highways that are created in that system. And in many cases, the, the, the pollution that is actually then put into the Bronx, in many cases, literally harms that community, literally making that how hip hop actually comes to be is literally out of the pollution and poverty. When you hear that kind of analogy then of, of hip hop kind of put with, justice. How does that make you feel, actually?
1: Um, it feels accurate yeah. because I've saw it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Like the Bronx was the dirtiest borough in New York, and when you go to these other places that were a little bit more cared about, like the Queens is. Even when you go upstate, which is you know adjacent to the Bronx, go to Yonkers, it's completely different. But it seems like the Bronx is where the other five, the other four boroughs, dumped all their problems and all their trash. Or where like the least amount of care was put. And like, hey, we're gonna drive through the Bronx to get to these other places. People used to come to the Bronx to go to the zoo and Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and other than that, <laughs> if you live there, it just, you know, it was what it was, you know? So yeah, no, th- th- that's a great, that's a great view to put on there. Cause I never really thought about it like that. But when you when you put it, when you put it in that perspective, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And and I think, you know, when you look at historically, the places where there's the most adversity the lack of things and the maximum amount of grime that sometimes where you get the trendiest art and the greatest things because people are looking for that escape hmm. you, you see it in Detroit why like so many artists from Detroit are just notoriously good because like you know they come from just they look they looked at as the you know the, the grimiest of the grimiest, the lowest of the lowest. This the city no one cares about. But and that creates art and creativity because people are looking for an escape and they do that through art. So I, I you know, so it takes those bad things to make that positive flip. I feel. Yeah, no, I mean I'm with you,
0: but but how do we make having a political analysis part of the God. culture? beyond what we hear on AM or talk radio is it only when we experience a loss or a big business merger like Beats by Dr Dre or whatever that it becomes relevant how do we take this to the next level within our just our normal cultural conversation
1: i think continuing to beat the drum and 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 bring light to these narratives cuz i think a lot of times people overlook things there's certain artists who you only hear their music when they die mm or if they pass away, you know, and, and like, we have to talk about things on more of a regular basis just to bring awareness to it and not just when something bad happens or when we need to make a point because, you know, a lot of people don't have an opportunity to, you know, tap into a podcast like The Coolest Show to have that aha moment. So we just have to, elevate the voices of the people who know how to make those analogies so more people can hear the word and hear the narrative. Because like sometimes it's just about, you know, if I like just showed just your head on the camera and just a little bit of a tree, I mean, a little bit of plant life behind you, it looks like there's marijuana behind you. But if I zoom out, you'll realize that there's, there's other plants. So I think we're seeing so much of a smaller picture and not a larger picture that we have to, like, you know, pull the lens back so we can get more of the other narratives that, you know, are popping out there.
0: It is. That is it is. I first, is when it? our first campaign <laughs> <laughs> was actually green the There's, block. There's
1: at least another plant, yeah. though. No, there, no, no, there was no. something.
0: No, I'm just saying, we had, I, I'm with you, because when we had our first campaign, <laughs> green the block, everybody was like, yo, we with that? It was like, yes, climate change. Oh, that kind of green the block. <laughs> it's like, okay, baby.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> we, we <not> it <laughs> works, You know, listen, we got we, we to make out everything work, though. We try to figure out what gets our folks going. I mean, but it's, it's all necessary, man. Like, you know, <laughs> even in the marijuana space, there's so many pharmacists that are prescribing drugs right now that marijuana would do a way better job than the chemicals that you're about to prescribe to a person. And, and it's just a matter of just getting people out of that old way of thinking. That, oh, man, weed is a, is, is a bad drug. It's a gateway. No, there's a lot of people that weed helps. But there's also a lot of people that weed messed up, too. But you just have to know what's right for you. Nah. You know, at the, at the end of the day. And the crazy thing is we live in a country where, like, hey, I'm chilling in this state. I can smoke all the weed I want. I drive over the state line. I'm in cuffs. You know? And that in itself is ridiculous. No, and that's... when you repeat it to yourself five times, you're like, yo, how is this a thing? Why is this a thing? And I know, like, you know, incarceration, putting people behind bars is big business, but we, you know, we got to cut that out because, in the true scope of everything, it is slavery. Mm. You know, taking a human being, getting free labor, getting free money just because you have that person in captivity is slavery. Mm. It is people doing real crimes, and you going to holler at my man because he, you know, he had an ounce, you know, or, you know, it's ridiculous. You know, as you mentioned that hair crack,
0: I want to kind of, I want to kind of stay there, but ask you. You know, I've been doing this, like I said, for two decades, and in doing this work, I've been around a lot and seen a lot. As you can imagine, um, from my early days of working with Russell and Diddy and Jay Z up until Sierra, Two Chainz, Ti, you you name it, and that's a lot. And being at the cusp of a lot of this trying to and recognizing how power, how powerful our culture our culture is. I, I, I want to ask you this question because you are perfect from the standpoint that if I am doing this work, I actually want to find you so that I can find folks who have some kind of understanding of wanting to help our people. And so then when I when I when I latch on to that, no matter where they are. And sometimes people people come to me and they say, is it only the conscious artists? I say, no, you'd be surprised. It's it's folks from the 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 dirty, the, the streets who have a have actually got a want to have our community, but we have to allow them to go from I always say from the cassius clays to the Muhammad Ali's. This right. is my this is my question to you in this. Do you, as you see things today though, and we are in a we're in a spot where we need to have our Harry Belafonte's, our Lena Horns, our Aretha Franklin's who support the movement. Um, do you think that we can use our culture to create change the way that we need to? Or are there forces that are in play that will pull that to
1: a stop if it gets too serious? I definitely believe that there are forces in play that will pull that. And the thing is, it's it's unraveling from multiple angles. Okay, so when you talk about hip hop, right, a lot of radio stations and media outlets will support or not support an artist based on relevancy hmm. okay so let's just say if the only hip-hop activist voice you know of is chuck d but you don't know about immortal technique you don't know about uh, you know dead prez and the things that they're doing in the health and wellness space the stuff that styles p does in the health and wellness space a lot of these people don't even get the opportunity to speak on larger formats sometimes because ah they ain't hot right now. And when you look at the people who are making that decision as to who's hot right now and who isn't, it's like yo you're not qualified to say that or make that or 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 have that opinion. That part frustrates me a lot and that's why I work harder to try to get these voices on my platform, you know, when the opportunities present themselves because We do such a great job at throwing these heroes away Mm. because like a Harry Belafonte was never allowed to be thrown away because we didn't do that to. Yeah, no, we were there to protect that process. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there's something about for whatever reason, hip hop, like, you know, if you haven't had a hot record in a few years, it's like your opinion doesn't matter. Why should we listen to you? Why should we put them on this radio station and let them talk? They they haven't done nothing in a while. Oh, such and such as old ass? Like, yo, like, we don't celebrate the fact that these people have, like, circled the block a few times and maybe seen some things that we haven't and give them the opportunity to speak. And we're doing that to ourselves. That mentality that a lot of these, you know, gatekeepers that, you know, have created on the corporate side, That mentality has spilled into the youth to a degree to where no one who is like 13 through, let's say, 24 wants to hear anything that anyone 45 and up has to say. And these are the people who have lived and seen the things on the other side of the hill that eventually you're going to get to. Hmm. So I definitely think that creates a large problem because it makes it very difficult for us to appoint these elder statesmen as the people who are going to really speak for us and speak to us as a culture, because we're quick to write them off. And I, and I think that's terrible because like we're the only culture that I feel like that really does that actively. Mm. And I've, and I've seen that play out so many times and I've gotten to so many arguments with so many people in positions of power, because I, I I'm not okay with letting y'all do this to our voices, to the people that inspired me. To the people that inspired you at some point so it, it's a never-ending fight and the thing is as more people like us get these opportunities to have our platforms aside from the other things it does give those those beacons that allow these voices to be heard and i and i think that's a plus size but we know but we 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 gotta let these people who want to lead we at least gotta hear them out yeah because we'll be quick to throw a person away like you know even when ti tries to be you know Luther, Mount Luther T.I. You know what I'm saying? Mount like, but, well, <laughs> man, but what about when you was, you know, when, <laughs> when you have a menage a trois, You know, like, but, like, yo. But later for that, let the man live. But what he's trying to tell you is valid. <laughs> you know, we're always, you know, like, if Jesus came back today, we'd call him crazy and kill him. Mm, facts. Because we don't trust nothing and we don't trust nobody. Well, te- well technically, again,
0: because he was killed the first time. But yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> if we'd kill him again. We would kill him again. He might have already been.
0: <laughs> he would. You know, it's crazy you say that because I think what happens there a lot of times. We said so much there actually. So I want to unpack that. You, there's something that happens there within our own movement, where one of the great things, kind of looking to the past, is that they were somewhat allowed to be human because we were within our own community, meaning that we kind of understood if we were having fun. If we had our music, if we had our own fashion, we understood what all that meant in regards to our liberation and our survival. I think sometimes there's this thing now where a lot of folks, both who are with activists or artists, feel that they can't make any mistakes. Um, and some cases, you know, you don't want to do things that are, you know, that are crazy, but making make human mistakes. It's, it's enjoying life mistakes. Um, And so what happens there is that folks on the activist side feel they have to then go about this kind of thing to be perfect and to be, in essence, another Martin Luther King. And sometimes artists who are in this work, they too then feel, if I I become political, that I have to be be another Dr. Martin Luther King or whoever – in mm-hmm. that same regard instead of realizing that the king was was human and made a lot of mistakes right. and that part gets erased so as you're thinking about this do you think that's a hindrance to a lot of artists and influencers who want to get political because people will say will do what you just kind of did not intentionally but kind of like you know martin luther ti in that aspect what kind of <laughs> hold up a little bit more of a, a magnifying glass to them. So they're kind of afraid because they can just be kinda, you know, I'm gonna be over here and be a little bit ratchet and be over here. But if I get political, folks are going to look at me, you know, they're gonna be like, you know, Megan the Stallion, somebody will clean the beaches, but that's Megan the Stallion. Or you know what I mean? Like, you just You're <laughs> <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? Like so how do we how do we allow for artists to still be artists and
1: to be who they are, but to also be political? You know, I think as an artist you have to understand how cool you actually are. Mm. You know, people came on this ride with you because whatever it is that you were doing, they believed in it to begin with. And I think sometimes to maintain a certain level of relevancy, artists sometimes are afraid of taking creative risk because how will my fan base think? Or what, you know, will this sell as the last, you know, well as the last thing that I did? you know, that wasn't necessarily at this note, and you, you can't lose your nuts in this, you gotta like be just as bold and confident with, with your messaging as you were when you're coming out, like regardless what your message was when you came out but you have to evolve and grow, I think one of the first examples I saw of this growing up, right was when Raekwon dropped his second album mm. Immobility. he wanted to give y'all Growth, and knowledge, and 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 raise your consciousness. But the fans was like, "What happened to that dude that was selling cocaine on the last album?" I'd be like, "Yo, I'd be disappointed if Raekwon was doing that on the last out, you know, on the, on the album after you know, only built for Cuban Lakes, Because you gotta grow. Very few artists have figured out how to take the audience on that ride with them and grow up and do it successfully. And the the most shining example I can think of that is Jay Z, no doubt. Yeah. You know? But he made the type of risk that one could make when you've amassed this certain amount of dollars and it doesn't matter how many copies your album sells because you kind of fix the fight to make sure the, you know, the units do what they're supposed to do anyway. And people listen to Jay-Z. And I think people need to take a book out of Jay-Z's, uh take a page out of Jay-Z's book and figure out how to apply that science to what it is they do. And I gotta commend T.I. Cause there was a few albums that He really wanted to show y'all the growth and they paid him in crickets, you know? And it's just unfortunate because you can't expect these people to not evolve Mm. and, and and not get to a different place. Cause like if you started, if if you were trapping on your first album in 2001 and we're still trapping in 2020, you're a terrible trapper, (laughs) you know, like at this point, you ain't, you don't got no money to build a store yet? Like, come on, bro. You know, like, really? You out there still serving nicks on Bankhead? Like, no one's going to believe that. So we have to let our people, we have to grow up, and we have to let our artists that we love grow up too. And I know, like I mentioned TIJZ, but I mean, there are other examples, but I think those are two of the most notable ones who have made, like, really good attempts. I mean, even, even with Kendrick Lamar, like, as many messages as Kendrick Lamar was dropping. Radio didn't let him be great. So he said, poe up, drink, poe up, drink. Mm. It's going to be all right. Should have been the new Negro national anthem. Didn't get nearly as much play as, you know, some of his other records. I mean, be humble, sit down, did pretty well. And, you know, but like, you know, but he took the risk and those risks work for Kendrick Lamar. Um, another artist who does it really well, J Cole, like J, you know, so more and more people are stepping out and doing it, but, there's so many others that I wish would still be here yeah no and I, and so man
0: I, I knew that this conversation crap, would, would go there I, I knew it would go there so we are we, we wishly we about to go all the way in on this on this conversation and it's such an important one for the culture and for what's happening right now during this time and one of the reasons I bring that up is that I also want to give a lens you know I've been doing this for years. And you're right. A lot of times, I've watched the growth. You know, I was right there with Jay um, in the beginning for his first, you know, political campaign. I was. It was called okay. Voice Your Choice, and he was working with Reebok. He had. We had a. We had a, a red, white, and blue Reebok that Jay Z had, and uh, and which was a part of like doing voter registration. But that's where he was. This is this is back in two thousand four. And to see him grow and continue to grow, for me, is exciting in that aspect. And I also have seen him, to be honest, stumble along the way, trying to grow, which is also a part of the process. And so- Yeah, it's part of growth, right? And so, and see him continue to work out, you know, what it means to be fighting for your community. And I've seen that with him and many, many, many others. You know, Rack, the one thing that I've seen though, is that our women, particularly our black women artists, don't get that same kind of pass. And mm-hmm. I've seen that, and one person particularly comes to mind is Amber Rose. We did our voting campaign with Amber, Amber Rose, respect my vote, which we which is the longest-running hip-hop voting campaign um, out there. And and hopefully we'll, we'll definitely connect. We have we have to connect you into this process. So we can- I'm more than down. Yeah, like yeah.
1: I remember when Respect My Vote first came out, and I thought it was an amazing thing. And I talked about it a lot, you know, on the on back when I was still on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, because you know hip hop has to stay involved. Yeah, and a lot of times we only know to vote when someone cool is running, or if it's the presidential elections and. No one really pays attention to the midterms and no. all these other the ones that affect you locally. Local, so,
0: which, you know, Absolutely. voting for your, your, your D, no, all that. So we're going to, we're definitely going to, and the folks listening, please go to respectmyvote.com. Uh, uh, check all that out right now because we have a great campaign. they also trying to get those who are returning citizens, those who are in prison, to make sure that they can be part of this process too. So anyways, just go there and check that out. But the reason I bring this up is this. We had, we had, we had Amber Rose and I had a many, we've had many other artists, even when we had Sierra and we've had, I mean, I can go to, I go on the list, right? Um, Keisha Cole. People don't give them to me in my time of doing this work. They don't give black women that same kind of chance
1: to grow. Why do you think that is? I don't understand the psychology of it at all. And the crazy thing is like, you know, you're seeing a lot more of an influx more so in the hip hop rap space of more female MCs. But like, you know, it seemed like, you know, for the last 20 years or so, even longer than that, they were just lucky to be there. Right. So I don't think anyone has truly cracked the code on how to have, a 10-year marathon run as a as an artist that grows and gets out of the you know that that sex pot image that usually gets them in the door you know what i'm saying cuz not saying that every female artist is doing that but like the ones who come in just on their on the strength of their skills and talent don't necessarily get put on the highest pedestal as they should you know what i'm saying we should hear from more Rhapsodies. Fact. We should hear from more Moo Moo Freshes. We should hear from more Lyric Joneses. We should, I mean, there's like there's so many names I could throw out there. And I don't know what it is about this business that the only way we'll give a female a chance if we feel like we have a chance with that female. Mm. You know, sonically sexually, you know, through the music you know through the, the optics that they give us i mean like i mean i can't front me myself i had the little kim hardcore poster on my wall because who didn't right but at the end of the day once the milk goes bad what do you do you know and i know it frustrates them because like hey like i don't look you know no one looks how they looked when they were 20 when they're 45 when they're 50 so where can we go from there and if 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 we only allow these people to show us this one skill, how can they evolve that? And how can they have a bigger voice in the larger scope of things? Because media aside, when it comes to the home, especially considering that a lot of men are out of houses, women are truly the leaders in a lot of scenarios. So why are they not allowed to lead in media? Why are they not allowed to have more of a diverse color palette sonically within the music than, they're, than they've been allowed to have, and you know, and I wish I truly had the answer to that question, and I don't, because all I see when I look around is just so many people who have the potential to be to do more, you know, and it sucks, you know, like because even like somebody like MC Light, who didn't necessarily lean on her sexuality to be a, a household name, and even Queen Latifah. They had to do other things to maintain relevancy mm. that didn't necessarily 100 percent have anything to do with rap, you know, or music. You know, like Queen I mean, Latifah started acting, then you found out she could sing, sing. And then, you know, MC Light, you know, you'd be watching your favorite awards. You're coming up next. Da, 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 da. You know, like the and then you know, she's producing and doing things. So, you know, I, I want to see P pe- I wanna see female artists have as long of a lifeline as male artists. Cause even on the RB scope, you mentioned Keisha Cole. Man, y'all love Keisha Cole when she was in pain screaming about love. But the second she got booed up, made a whole album about how she in love, y'all hated it because she wasn't miserable with y'all no more. Hmm. Why do we do that to ourselves? Michael Jackson voice. Why do they do me that way? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like let let these people grow. Nah, that, that's
0: real. And I and I think I was I was, this is a shout out for hip-hop caucus. You know, when I came into this, I saw this a lot. And I just saw some things that just to me wasn't cool. How particularly mm-hmm. a lot of the women artists were treated and and having the platform that I have in caucus, I was like, well, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to try to change that. I'm going to try to make sure they have a role and it isn't a role where they have to feel any old kind of way. And I want them to 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 have that space. And I, and I agree with you. I do think that um, particularly... Um, our women, there, as you know, there, there is no revolution without women. And so right. I think that, you know, we, we, we have to make sure we understand that. So I am hopeful that what we are doing on the hip hop political side, that that carries over. I think it's going carry over regardless. I think that, you know, they're not going to wait. I think that they're not waiting. And so we, I'm glad to hear you be encouraging in that aspect, um,
1: yeah, like I came up with a platform um, called The Take, mm. where I bring artists on and I uh, give them the opportunity, then they get like one take. If they fuck up, that's the that's the take, mm. right? And I made it a point to showcase and highlight as many female MCs as I could, mm. right? One of the first MCs that came through Rev was this unknown chick by the name of Meg the Stallion. Blazed it. <laughs> one take, murdered it. A couple months later, Meg the Stallion is out of here. Not because she did take, because she was talented anyway, right? Then you also have Amaretta the Great. Mm -hmm. Another person who's making major noise right now, just on the strength of her pen game and her talent. Like, I don't know if you heard this record she got out right now called Not Atlanta. Mm. She's like basically talking about like the city of Atlanta, how a lot of people claim they're from Atlanta. It's like, yo, Clayton County is not Atlanta. South Cobb is not Atlanta. you know Everybody's going crazy about it because like, you know, there's a lot of people who claim the city who are not from here. Uh, Who are not really from Atlanta. So there are so many different ways where people could get on, but we just have to continue to create those outlets, you know, whether it's through Hip Hop Caucus, whether it's through the Take, whether it's a DJ who happens to be watching this who maybe has a little bit more flexibility than other DJs who can just drop the needle on an artist who ain't showing you areola, (laughs) you know, but is showing you skill. That's right.
0: Because they're out there. No, that's real. And so we listen to y'all. If you and you in the culture you and you doing this work, please, we, we have a, we have to, we, we got to move this thing. We got to move the ball forward in that regard. So definitely you heard it from myself, Rev and, and Headcrack telling you that. Headcrack, let me ask you this question. Because I want to kind of talk about mm-hmm. a little bit about some of the stuff in climate because and how you can help. So let me paint the picture first. Okay. One of the things in the climate movement, you but and you won't notice, I'm I'm telling you something new here, so you gotta <laughs> let me give it give you the background. I love new information. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The climate movement is an amazing movement, and we we are in a crisis. There is a serious climate crisis, which we can see through hurricanes, wildfires, droughts, floods, on and on and on. It is it's real serious, and if we don't get a handle on it, we don't transition from fossil fuels to clean energy then it'll have a, 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 an immense impact, particularly on those who are most vulnerable, Black and Brown and Indigenous communities who are on the front lines of the crisis. That's the background. This is the thing where I need your help. So, Headcrack, yeah. one of the things that I've noticed in doing this work with folks in the climate movement is that they're great people, but they're not good communicators, right? They're not, they, they're not really good at that. They're not good at taking something and literally making it hot or making it sexy, or making it relevant in that case. They give a lot of data, a lot of different good points. So how can I get folks like you and other folks within the industry to begin to weave in the storytelling or the narrative into our process what can what what would you want to have to be like all right rev what's the problem and and so what what do you think you would and if you and if i said hey go out and organize other folks in the industry what do you think y'all would want to help
1: make this crisis more relevant to our community well, for me personally, I'm usually at my best when I'm armed with information, so I always try to make it a point to learn something new every day or like get some you know, get a fact that I didn't know, like earlier when you was telling me about how like you know, when the Bronx was created, the way they did the overpasses, so white people didn't have to stop. That was news to me, but I get it now. so you know, even if it was a situation where daily through whether it be the social media of hip hop caucus or even like, you know, widgets that you can get that could pop up on your phone with just, you know, little cool, slick hip facts to where like you could spread that information. Because sometimes when you microdose information to people, it's easier to receive it versus like, you know, getting a whole spill about how everything works at one time. And then you pick up these little factoids and you kind of like, you know, they, they, they nest in your brain and like you, you, know, you recite this stuff to other people. You know, because it's conversational. We're all gonna be occupying planet Earth until the day Mm. we die. It's a fact, right? So, how can we maintain this longer than ever? How can we get more people to understand the importance of bees? How can we get people to understand that if you're in a position to where you can cut back on your usage of fuel, it's probably for the best. Turn that light off. You're not using it. You know, all these little things that I think sometimes get lost on people. If we can just Get this information in bite size, little fun facts. Remember, like back in the days, I don't know if you was a Snapple drinker, but you remember you used to you ever used to read the Snapple facts? Yeah, it was Snapple no facts. Yo, yo, man, Cash used to walk around reciting that yeah, like we went to no, college or like something. It, it was like <laughs> <laughs> so, like yo, if you it, man, if the hip hop caucus can hit you with a cool fact every day, shoot. I'll drop a cool fact every day on my on my radio show. There it is, because that's my part of taking the information baton and passing it on, and that's what we're supposed to do truly, as gatekeepers, mm. not only to create opportunity but also spread that information to increase the not only the value of life, but hey, listen, man, we only got one Earth. We got, we got to figure out a way to you know keep this thing alive because like mother, you know, Mother Earth trying to balance the scales, man, between. You know what I'm saying between this these crazy weather patterns we catch in and these brand new you know viruses that's dropping like mixtapes. You know she's trying to move us around because we ain't treating her right.
0: (laughs) Definitely not treating this right. Well, we are definitely not treating her right. That's for sure. Yeah, we ain't treating her right. I just got two more questions for you, man. I just want to thank you for this for this time. This was this was uh, (laughs) uh, amazing uh, in this regard. The, The first question. Um, really goes into more of a global standpoint. As you know, hip hop, man, you know uh, our reach is incredible. I was in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, before the pandemic, like twenty nineteen, right before. And I just I realized how much the culture has an impact on the globe. Um, How do we use that power? Uh, That that global power, and what and what's our responsibility? To our brothers and sisters around the globe who are watching you and watching others,
1: you know the tricky thing. I I I feel like you know more so than ever before. I'm seeing it utilized. You know, before the only voices that people were hearing from within the culture were coming from here, and now as we're peeling the veil back from on the rest of the globe, you're starting to hear these voices that are speaking in languages we don't know, but they're speaking our language of hip hop, Mm. and they're really galvanizing the people. So I think the only thing that we can do better is maybe network a little bit more with our brothers and sisters across the pond, because I don't think we understand each other's plight in its entirety. You know, because we still have people over here in America who ignorantly think, you know, our brothers and sisters in Africa is out there rocking grass skirts because they don't have the access. Well, okay. They don't utilize the access to the information. I mean, we can Google anything these days, but I think ignorance keeps us in our corners sometimes. And I think if we could create more uh, pipelines to where we can have similar dialogue with people on the other side of the country just to understand what their plight and the things that they're going through are, I think we'll, we'll realize that we have a lot more in common and that we also have a lot more that we need to learn about other parts of the world. Some people only know about the happenings in their own state, city, and town. There's some people in New York who have never left their borough. You know, there's some people who have never left their particular state. So we have to use all this technology that we have right now that our people didn't have before us and use that to continue to make the world smaller and get the information from, you know, people around the world who are going through a similar experience, but with different circumstances. And I think the more we understand that about them, the more they can understand about us. And I think we can move better and just be armed with more information.
0: Yeah, well said.
1: How can people best support
0: you, find you, uh, all that good stuff?
1: Yo, man, um, I got a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash headcrack. Sometimes I'm throwing new music videos up there. Sometimes I'm throwing an interview up there. My most recent one, I got a... As many people as I can get from New Edition, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got Johnny Gill, I got uh, Ricky Bell, and I got uh, Roddy Devoe, and uh, they they on tour right now. They doing amazing things. Their their show is amazing. Um, also, you know, I'm talking to you know a bunch of different uh, hip hop artists and whatnot. And uh, also my YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com. I mean, not YouTube. Uh, also my Instagram page, Instagram.com forward slash Headcrack. Uh, subscribe to me on Spotify. Got brand new music coming. A new EP coming out soon called Microdose. Mm-hmm. And I also have another project that I'm cooking up with my man D Cross that's sounding crazy. And uh, also don't forget my work with my three-man hip-hop group, the Bodega Brothers. we like the United Colors of Benetton, except with raps. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, staying working, staying creative, trying to motivate the people and keep myself motivated in the process. Oh,
0: man. My brother, I appreciate you so much. And that, I appreciate you, Rev. Yeah. And that's our guest today. And he is Head Crack, host of The Morning Hustle in this nation. And I am Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com, where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to repeat. It's the coolest show,
1: you know. It's the coolest show, you know.